I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I did to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God? You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Turn your Bibles with me, if you will, to Joshua chapter 1. We look at verses 1 through 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore rise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses... So I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide, for it inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. Thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Now in our day, there's many misunderstandings surrounding the Christian life. You take a trip to the local Bible bookstore, and it'll confirm this accusation. After all, the shelves are lined with books that talk about how to make the Christian life easier, more acceptable to the world. However, the truth of the matter is that we're not out for a day in the park when we're a believer. Now, this thing that we got into when we got saved is a battle. We're engaged in warfare with a spiritual, a real spiritual enemy who is far more powerful than we are, Ephesians six twelve. In our own strength, we're no match for the devil. The good news is he is nowhere near as powerful as our God. First John chapter 4 and verse 4. Now therefore, in the midst of the battles, there is always hope for victory. 
In fact, the Bible tells us that we are the recipients of victory through the Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. While we're engaged in the battle with evil, there is the expectation that we can and will walk in victory in our lives. Now, for me, this is what the book of Joshua represents. In this book, we find that Moses, the great leader of Israel, has died, and a new leader named Joshua has been appointed to lead the nation of Israel into Canaan. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Israel is about to take possession of the land which God has promised Abraham centuries earlier in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7. This book is about the battles that Israel faced in order to claim that promise from God. Joshua is a book of warfare, suffering, great victories. It is a book that can teach the modern Christian much about obtaining spiritual victory in your life. You see, we sing the songs about Canaan land, and often we have the idea that Canaan refers to heaven. My friend, nothing could be farther from the truth. When we get to heaven, there will be no more wars. There will be no more enemies. There will be no more suffering, no more death. There'll be no more sin. All of these are present in the book of Joshua, and they're dealt with within its pages. Canaan is not heaven, but it is a picture of life of victory that is available to every child of God this morning. My goal here in preaching this is to help you stop wandering around in the wilderness and enter into your Canaan land of spiritual victory. Now, as I do, I'd like for you to listen carefully to what God has to say to Joshua concerning the land of Canaan and how to claim it. There are three truths given here that we must understand as we look at the thought, this is our land. First, I call to your attention verses 1 through 9, the call from God. In verses 1 through 4, we have a call to claim the land. And in these verses, Joshua is reminded that the Lord has already given the land of Canaan to the children of Israel. Joshua is commanded to lead the people into Canaan to claim the land that they had been promised from the Lord. And that land was given to them way back in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7, and the promises were reaffirmed to every succeeding generation of the nation of Israel. The land was indeed their land, and there was no need for them to continue their wandering around in the wilderness. They had a land. All they had to do was go claim it. I look around me and as I go through the weeks and I see Christians who are defeated, who struggle with sins, who for all intents and purposes are wandering around with a spiritual darkness over them in a form of a cloud and they're in a spiritual wilderness. My friend, it does not have to be this way. God has a place 
of victorious living, which he has promised you and I that we can live in. He has promised that. He has promised it in 2 Corinthians 2, 14, Romans 8 and verse 37, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. And I believe that with all my heart that God did not save you to see you defeated. Most of the time we're defeated because we refuse to walk in victory. And I believe there's a place of conquest for every child of God this morning that we can claim for our own. And these next few verses tell us what we need to remember as we set out to claim our own Canaan. And verses 5 and 6 and verse 9, Joshua is reminded of some precious promises of God. He is called to have confidence in his Lord. We notice in verse 5, we have the promise of victory over every enemy. Again, in verse 5, we see the promise of the presence and power of God. Again, in verse 5, we see the promise of the faithfulness of God. In verse 6, we see the promise of absolute victory. In verse 6 as well, we see the promise of God to keep his promises. What did Joshua have to do to make these things happen? Just one thing. One thing. Trusting God. He had to trust God. God was going to give Israel the victory. And Joshua was merely the instrument that God had chosen to use to do it. Now, these things were going to happen. For Joshua to be a part of it, all he had to do was have faith in God. May I remind you that the same promises God made to Joshua are in force for you as well this morning? Every promise that God made here to Joshua is in full force for you and I. And you can still count on God to do everything he promised Joshua he would do. Now, before there's some couch potato that would pop up who tries to be a theologian and say, now, wait a minute. This was given to Israel, not given to us. I would remind you that he gives us victory over our enemies. First John chapter 5 and verses 4 and 5. He is still ever present, Hebrews 13, 5, and he is still all powerful, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. He is still faithful, Matthew 28 and verse 20. My friend, he still gives absolute victory, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, and in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, and again in verse 27. And finally, he still keeps his promises. Romans chapter 4 and verse 21. What do we have to do to see these things come to pass in our lives? One thing. Trust God. When we can learn to place our faith in God in all times, in every situation then we walk in victory in our lives, Hebrews eleven six, 
Romans 14 and verse 23. When everything else fails, faith will ever stand the test. Oh, we're going to let God down, that's for certain, but he will never fail the believer who has their faith in him. Verses 7 and 8. Here's a call to carry out the law. The Lord tells Joshua that if he is to lead the people of God to rest in Canaan, then he has to take heed to the law of God. Remember, the law is an essential step to entering our Canaan as well. Notice when the Lord speaks to Joshua about the law and how it applies to our lives as well. Verse 7, he was to keep the law. He was to do everything the law said to do, not turning from it the least little bit. Secondly, also we see in verse 8, he was to meditate on the law. Day and night, his mind was to be preoccupied with the law. He was to love it. He was to let his heart be filled with it. His mind was to be filled with it. This was in order that his life might be centered in the law and therefore in the will of God. Third, verses 7 and 8, he was to prosper by honoring the law. See, God's promise to Joshua is that if he lived this, his life around the law of God, God would prosper him in everything he did, and that God would make him successful, very successful. Is there a lesson here for us? Well, first, I'd like to say that I think God, we're not under the law anymore. I stand with you and before you. We are under grace Having said that, I'd like to say this, that many in our day have concluded that since we're no longer under the law, we're free to do exactly anything we want, anything we please. I want to remind you that such an attitude is dangerous and is guaranteed to bring you absolute ruin. If you want to live in Christian victory, you must develop a love for the Word of God. Just as Joshua was commanded to honor the law, we are commanded to honor the book of God. We are to feed on the Word. We are to live by the Word. We are to be blessed by the Word. Psalm 1 and verses 1 through 3. Dear friends, do you have a set time in your day that you go to the green pastures of the Word of God and feed therein? If you don't, your spiritual life is weak, it's ineffective. If so, then you're all well on your way to claiming your Canaan and entering into your spiritual victory. You don't get victory by sending some seed of faith, quote-unquote, money to some jerk on television. You don't get victory from sending it to Kenneth Copeland or some type of jerk like that who claims to supersede God. No! You get victory from God himself. Love the Word. Verse 6, 7, and 9. We have a call to courage in leadership. In the midst of all these things, the Lord calls Joshua three times. God encourages Joshua himself to be strong and courageous. 
These words carry the idea of standing firm and strong in the face of opposition. Joshua would need great courage to face the enemies of Israel and to lead the people to victory in the promised land. God's challenge to Joshua is for him to stand. My friends, there's just a great need for people right now to stand for God now as there was in any day in history, as there was in the days of Joshua all around us. Christians are folding. Christians are falling by the wayside. And what we need is for God's people to be so moved and stirred in the depths of their souls to stand up and renew their commitments to God and say, by God's help, I'll stand. By God's help, I'll not fall all the days of my life. We must have people. We must have the people of God today who will take the lead in the churches and make their stand for Christ. We have to have the people of God to be the salt and the light to be that leadership in the world to say, by God's grace, I'll live a moral life. By God's grace, I'll stand for my family. By God's grace, I'll stand up for my country. We must stand. It is high time that the church stop letting herself be a doormat for the world and the devil. It is time we stood up and made our stand with the people of God and heeded God's call to be brave and strong in these days. As he describes in Romans 13, Verses 11 to 14. Are you standing for God? Or have you fallen along the way? Secondly, we have the challenge from Joshua in verses 10 through 15. After Joshua receives his challenge from the Lord without hesitation, he goes to the people and he tells them, time has come. The time has come to take their land. First, he challenges the nation as a whole. Then he addresses a specific group within the nation of Israel. Joshua tells the people in verses 10 and 11 to get ready to go into Canaan and claim the land. These were the words they had been waiting for for 40 years. However, before they could go in, they had to get ready. God told them to prepare some food. You see, the manna was about to stop. God had told them that he would give them manna while they were in the desert, but it would cease when they entered the promised land in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 35. The manna was desert diet. Now they were about to move up to something a whole lot better. They were going to a land flowing with milk and honey. And what had worked in the wilderness was not going to suffice them in the land of blessing. Hey, the same is true with us today. Before we enter our Canaan, we have to prepare for that land. The way we live must change. 
The things we feed on must change. The entire scope of our lives must be altered to adjust to life inside Canaan. This is why so many never enjoy the victorious Christian life. They simply refuse to make the necessary changes to adjust to living in spiritual victory. The fact is, if you expect to walk in victory, you have to learn to walk by an entirely new set of rules. Romans 6, 4, Colossians 3, 1 through 10. What will you have to do to get ready for Canaan? Verses 12 through 15. Joshua addresses the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. These tribes had sought and gotten permission from Moses to remain east of Jordan, just outside the promised land. And the reason in making this request is the land east of Jordan was a land that was good for raising cattle. Numbers 32. And still, Joshua reminds them that they had promised to fight alongside their brethren until the land was conquered. Deuteronomy 3, 12 through 20. These people are challenged to remember their promise and to aid the nation until victory was secured. And while these people settled in a land of prosperity, they were also in a land of danger. Years later, when the Assyrian army attacked from the east, these tribes were the first to go away into captivity. Folks, there's a powerful lesson here for us. We have literal legions of Christians who are just like these two and a half tribes. They're more concerned about making a living than they are about making a life. The primary thing that motivates them is getting ahead in life. In other words, they're so materially minded, there's absolutely nothing in their mind that makes them think about spiritual matters. These people represent those Christians I would call borderline Christians, surface Christians. These are people who have trusted Christ for salvation, but that is about as far as they're willing to go. They'll come when they want to. They'll tithe if they feel like it or they can afford to. They'll fight a battle now and then, every now and then. But most often, they're just seen playing around the edges, refusing to put God first in their lives. And by the way, this is a type of Christian who is usually the first to fall in times of attacks and temptation. People who live like this can say anything they want, but the truth is obvious. They have other gods in their lives to whom they've sold their souls. If you really love God, then how about deciding to cross on over. Make the decision to leave behind anything that's holding you back from serving God like you should. You can rationalize it all you want to, but the truth still remains. Many are choosing gold and otherworldly things over God. If you refuse to line up with the will of God in your life, then you can be assured of the fact that one day you will fall. You cannot play around the edge without falling out. 
verses 16 through 18, we close with a commitment from the people. These people make their stand with the Lord. Verse 16. They promise absolute obedience and surrender to the will of God. And this is the only way spiritual victory will come to any life. There must be total, absolute surrender of every area of life to the will of God and to his divine leadership. Anything less hinders the work of God in your life and mine. And what you have in your life holding you back, that is exactly what you love. God's will is that we surrender our will and follow him to victory. Now, in verse 17, these men also promised to follow the leadership of God's man. Just like they had followed Moses, they committed themselves to following Joshua. Now, while I believe there is a certain amount of authority invested in the pastoral office, and that the people of God ought to follow the man of God as he follows God's will for the church, there is a higher authority that every person must acknowledge. We are to submit to the leadership of God. But may I remind you that every child of God in this room is a slave. You have no rights. When we got saved, we became property of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, prove it. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. He bought me. He owns me. I have no rights. I have every privilege that he gives me. You have no claim to anything that allows you to make decisions for yourself. Your entire duty could be summed up in one word. Submit. If you're ever going to get over to Canaan, you have to submit everything to God. Have you done that? Verse 18, finally the people commit themselves to separating from those in their midst who refuse to comply with the commandments of the Lord. And their separation is so strong that they vowed to put to death anyone who rebelled against the leadership of Joshua. These people knew that allowing rebellion in their midst was a sure way to guaranteed defeat. Again, the lesson here for us this morning is clear. If we want to walk in victory, we must practice separation in our lives. We should separate ourselves from anything that would prevent us from having victory in our lives, whether it be from certain people, whether it be the way we dress, whether it be the way we talk, whether it be the things we watch or do or where we work or what we do or what we think or any other area in our life. If it's a hindrance to me entering Canaan, then it must go. Otherwise, you'll always be defeated. You'll always be in danger. And even as I speak, you already know what's holding you back this morning. You need to get that settled today. You see, Canaan land is our land if you want it. <laughs>